All right, now Pastor John's going to take your children, and uh, he promised he would return them. So actually, you need to go get them. So please make sure that when we're done, uh, you go pick them up. Uh, praise God, he's got something to say. So um, if you've got a Bible, go to John chapter 5. We're going to be in John chapter 5 in a minute. And I just want to remind you, uh, we're doing a series called Truly Free by Robert Morris, Truly Free in 2017. Uh, there are books for $6 available on the back. There are study guides available because there's a DVD teaching that goes with this. Um, but if you want the study guide to, to try to do some more like personal devotion or more scripture study uh, that goes along with some of the teaching, I will tell you that I don't, I'm, his six sessions and my sessions aren't going to coincide. Okay, his book and what I say isn't gonna completely coincide. Now, if you hear something that I say and you're like, wow, that's good, it's probably from his book, okay? So if you're reading along in your book and you're like, Pastor Tom stole that, I'm telling you, I'm gonna steal a lot. But like today's message is coming out of something the Lord put in my heart, not necessarily something that's in his book. And there are reading guides that are back there as well. Um, chapters one, two, and three in the book kind of correspond with last week's message and then this week's message. And then we're gonna start looking at some of the snares that the enemy uses to put us into bondage. And so uh, starting next week, we're gonna look at pride. And I'll, I'll just tell you now, pride is every one of our problems, okay? Pride is at the root of just about anything in our lives. And so we're gonna talk about that one uh, next week. But as we talked last week, as we transitioned from Christmas, this time when we remember that Jesus came. Okay, this is not just about a couple days off work. This is not just about um, a baby in a manger. Jesus came for a specific purpose. He came to do certain things. And the scripture shows us what he came to do. The son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. That'd be us. John chapter 10, Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's why he's come, for you to have life to the full. First John 3, 8, but the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. I think Mark handled that pretty clearly for us. This is what Jesus came to do. And in a few months, we're gonna celebrate Easter. We're gonna celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And when Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished, meaning what he came to do is finished. No more work needs to be done other than laying hold, receiving what he's already done for us. And so this idea of being truly free, and last week I showed you the video, Oh Holy Night, maybe we'll see it again in the weeks ahead if you missed it. Um, but if you, you want to Google it, it's by uh, David Phelps. David Phelps singing O Holy Night at a Gaither Crusade and uh, just a powerful song about all the chains that he shall break, all oppression shall cease. Uh, not just a nice Christmas carol, but a powerful prophetic song. Did you know that when we sing, we are literally declaring God's word over our lives? I mean, everything we sang today was like a prophetic declaration over our lives. That's why we take time to sing. It's not just because, you know, we all have some favorite songs that we like. We're declaring God's word. You need to sing more than just in church. And I don't care if you sing on tune or not. It doesn't have to be pretty. It just has to be declared over your life. And so, as I talked to you last week, I need you to do just a few things as we go through this series. 
the first thing I need you to do. I am trying to choose my words so carefully. In fact, I'm using some of his words. This is a message of hope. And so if you hear something that sounds condemning or mean-spirited, um, then I'm, I apologize up front. And what, here's what you need to do. Stop and say, no, this is a message of hope. So he said that wrong. How could he have said it to make it a message of hope? And you don't need to come tell me about it. You just need to tell yourself about it. Okay, because sometimes it's not that I said it wrong, it's just you heard it wrong. And so just process it as a message of hope. It's not a message of try harder. Okay, so if what I say makes you sound like you just need to, uh, you know, pull up your bootstraps and suck it up and try harder, that's not what I'm saying at all. You need to trust more. You can't try harder. You can't do anything else. It's already finished. Okay, you need to trust more. And the last thing is I need you to forget your experience. Forget your experience because as we start talking about freedom and specifically some of the snares that we get bound to, then the enemy is going to come and say, you know what, you, you've tried this before and it didn't work, okay? So you need to forget that and you need to know what is true because the truth will set you free. Not your experience will set you free. Not even someone else's experience will set you free. If Mark's experience isn't based on the truth, which it is, there are bulls in heaven collecting our prayers and there is power available, there's healing in the now. So all of that is based not on his experience, on truth. And so you can latch onto it and overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. Okay, that's possible. But you have to do that and put that into practice. And so last week, we talked about greater is he that is in us than, greater, than he that is in the world. Because I don't wanna glorify the devil in this series. I don't wanna talk about how much power he has. I mean, we do not wanna underestimate him because as chapter three in the book says, he is a destroyer, he is vicious. The devil does not look at you when you're having a bad day or a bad week and be like, oh, Mark, I'm so sorry you had a bad day. I'll back off today. Now, when you have a bad day, he rams it up, okay? Because he understands he wants to destroy you. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy, not coddle. He's also very cunning. And so if we underestimate him, the Bible says do not be unaware of his schemes because he comes as an angel of light, meaning you're gonna feel like what you're doing is accepting Jesus. But if it's not based on truth, it's not Jesus, it's another Jesus. That's why truth guides us. Not our feelings, not what I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying. If what the Holy Spirit I feel is saying doesn't line up with this, my feeler is off. And all of our feelers get off from time to time. It's okay, that's why we have this as an anchor for our soul. So today, we're gonna go into John chapter five, and the question is, do you want to be free? Do you want to be free? Let's look at this story. This is an interesting story. John chapter five, verse one, afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the, the city, near the sheep gate, not important, just a location, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. Here's the history. There's this pool called Bethesda, and an angel comes down and stirs the water, and when the water gets stirred or begins to bubble, that's the sign the water stirred. First one in gets healed. These are some hopeless people. I don't know if you can imagine this scene 
of people laying everywhere. Not in our day of medical training and being able to cover wounds and, you know, I mean, the disease, the stench, the smell, I mean, a horrific scene of them just trying to be the first one in the water. Okay, you gotta catch that. One of the men had been laying there, had been sick for 38 years. You thought eight years was long. 38 years. When Jesus saw him, he knew he had been ill for a long time. You gotta get that, Jesus knew. It's not like Jesus thought, hey, this guy just got here today. Would you like to get well, he asked. I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. Of course they did. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. I've read the law. It doesn't say anything. Okay. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him. Jesus could have stayed hidden in the crowd, but he found him because he's concerned about him. And he says, now you are well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. The man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who healed him. And so, Father, I ask that today, by your spirit, you would make these words come alive in our hearts, that you, according to your word and the truth, would set us free. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first question, of course, is the question that Jesus asks, do you want to be free? And understand, Jesus asked him, do you want to be well? And that word well means to be whole, to be made complete. Uh, Freedom would be in that. So Jesus could have said to him, do you wanna be free from your sickness? So you may not be sick today, maybe you're in some other bondage, but at the end of the day, all of us are in bondage right now in this room to something, whether it be pride or whether it be lust or whether it be greed, whether it be bitterness, it doesn't matter what the, the label is, but do you want to be free? So if you do, here's what you do. Step one, respond to Jesus. Yeah, respond. Because he's asking you, do you want to be free? The offer of freedom is on the table for every one of us. And if we're going to experience freedom, we have to respond to Jesus. There are too many people that sit in a pew week after week after week, hoping that something will change in their life, but they won't respond. They won't respond to an invitation. They won't respond to a prayer team in the front. They won't respond at all to to what God is asking. God is saying, do you want to be free? And we just sit there and we hope we would get free, but we don't respond to him. And we don't respond for different reasons because like this man, maybe we're looking at Jesus saying, that's a dumb question. I've been laying here 38 years. Of course I want to be well. And some people get bitter at God. God, I've been sick for a long time. 
I've been dealing with this. Of course I want to be free. I, I mean, this man could have ignored Jesus. He could have said that's a stupid question. But the man answers. Now, here's the thing. He gives the wrong answer. Okay, I'm just going to tell you up front. The right answer to this question of do you want to be well is this. Yes. <laughs> that's the answer, okay? And he gives the wrong answer. But at least he responds, he answers. And so don't sit here thinking, well, you know, maybe I didn't give the right answer. Just give an answer. Just respond to Jesus. He's okay to take your imperfect answer and work with it. But if you sit there and do nothing, he can't do it. He's waiting for an invitation into your life. That's what prayer is. It's just saying, God, I know you're the healer. I know you're the deliverer. I invite you to do that in my life. But until we open our mouths and invite him, nothing will happen. The picture that this man gives us is something you maybe have heard of before. It's called the victim mentality. The victim mentality. Because look at what he says. Sir, I want to get well. He doesn't even say that. He says, I have no one to help me. I have no one to help me. Okay, first of all, that's not what I asked you. I didn't ask you if you have anyone to help you. I didn't ask you how you got in this condition. Maybe mom and dad dropped him when he was an infant. I mean, it happened to Mephibosheth, right? I mean, maybe it wasn't his fault. I don't know how he's in this condition, but the thing is, Jesus didn't say, how'd you get here? Jesus didn't say, how long have you been here? Jesus doesn't say, who's your friend? He just says, do you want to be well? And when you see the limitation and not Jesus, it's a problem, and we'll get to that. We'll get to that, we can't jump ahead. Jesus says, do you want to be free? But listen, 38 years of suffering, we can't be too hard on this guy. If you've ever suffered with immense pain for any length of time, eight years, it does something to you. It gnaws at you, it eats at you, I get it. I've been through times in my life where I have been through pain that was unexplainable and emotions that were unexplainable and I know that every answer I offered up in that moment wasn't the right answer. I'm sure there were times where I said to Jesus, nobody cares about me. I'm abandoned. I'm sure there are times I said, Jesus, it's these kids you gave me. Jesus, it's Christy. She's the reason I'm in this position. I'm sure. Well, it's that church I pastor. Lord, could you just send me some people that won't be mean? I mean, but here's the thing. It's none of those things. All I gotta do is look at Jesus and say, Jesus, I wanna be well. Okay, here's a couple scriptures because we gotta base it on truth. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, open the door. I mean, we talked last week about the devil and we'll talk about him again. He's looking for an open door, but so is Jesus. So make sure you open the door to the right person because either one of them will come in if you open it. And you don't even have to open it far, just open it a crack and he'll get in there. Luke chapter four, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor, sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, the blind will see, the oppressed will be set free, and the time of the Lord's favor has come. So I love that Jesus doesn't look at this man and say, stop trusting in some silly pool. Trust in me, I'm Jesus. I mean, if it would have been me, I would have said, dude, that's not what I asked you. I asked you, do you wanna be well? Stop giving me your excuses. 
I know, I'm not a good Jesus at all. That's why I'm not him. I mean, I'm trying to look like him, but I'm not him, I promise. But here's the thing, Jesus just, Jesus just bypasses it, he forgets it. You know, some of us have the need, I know, I confess, I repent, to correct people all the time. Stop it. I mean, we correct people's grammar, we correct when they do something wrong. Here's the thing, if, if what I did, if I made a mistake in the program when we printed it this week, and we can correct it for next week, let me know. But if it's something that's already passed, I don't need to know. You're, you're catching my drift? So if you, if you need to correct someone because it's gonna ruin their lives, correct them. But if it's just something stupid, let it go. Okay, so I set you free from that. You're welcome. Um, but Jesus doesn't help him to the pool. He doesn't say, well, you gave the wrong answer. He gives him a simple command, sort of. He tells a paralyzed or invalid sick man, 38 years, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Well, that's a second stupid thing to say, right? Because I can't pick up my mat and walk. But here's the step, step two. Obey what Jesus says. If he tells you to do it, you can do it because he's given you the grace and the strength to do it. So if there's something in this book, stop saying, well, I can't do The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. So he has given you the grace. He knows you can't do it in your own strength. He's not stupid. He's the creator of the world. He came to die because he knows we can't. But if he's telling you to do it, you've got to obey what Jesus says. If you want to be free, you've got to pick up your mat and you've got to walk. John chapter 8, we talked about part of this verse last week. Jesus spoke to the Jews who believed him. If you obey my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Obedience is the key to freedom. Jesus is the word of God. If there is something in this book that we are not putting into practice in our lives, we will not walk in freedom. Do you understand this? I mean, I'm not talking about making a few mistakes or struggling in an area. I'm talking about what we're saying is, okay, Lord, I know that you say the path to freedom is sexual morality, to be pure, to save myself till I'm married, to just to, to live, not look at anything that would cause me to lust. I know that that's what your word says, but I don't think that's the way to freedom. I think real freedom is found in doing whatever I want. No, you will not find freedom if you do not do what Jesus says. And it's not hard to do what Jesus says because we know what he's saying. We know what he's saying. For every one of us in this room, it's something different. He's saying, you know what? I told you to let go of that, that bitterness that you're holding on to, but you keep holding on to it hoping you'll get free. Because, I mean, I don't want freedom from bitterness. I want healing. You with me? It's all attached. It's all attached. The Bible says if we won't forgive others, we cannot be forgiven. We stop up the forgiveness of God. Well, I, Pastor Tom, I don't want freedom from lust. I want freedom from something else. Eh. You've got to do what Jesus says. When he t- I mean, he's going to do this over and over again, not because he's mean, but because he loves you. He's going to keep coming to you and saying, stop it. Here, stop this. And he's going to put your finger on it. If you want to be free, if we want to be free, we have got to do what Jesus says. 
okay? That has to be our motto. If this book says it, I, 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 I just gotta do it. When people say, hey, why do you do that? Because Jesus said. Because Jesus said. He's the word of God, okay? Okay, number three. Maybe this is the most important, but I don't know. You gotta change your mind. You gotta change your mind. If you want to be free, you have to change your mind. Because here's this man, okay? He gives the wrong answer, but at least he responds. Jesus says, pick up your mat and walk. He does. And then he, he starts walking. And what's interesting is there's no other reaction from this guy in scripture. No praise, no excitement. He just picks up his mat and matter-of-factly walks away. I mean, now maybe he got excited. I don't know. He's been sick for 38 years. But maybe John is just not an emotional sort. I mean, the, the disciple Jesus loved, yeah, okay. Um, the one that recorded Jesus wept, okay. But anyway, he records nothing about this man's reaction. He just starts walking away. Now the Pharisees confront him, and what's he do? He deflects again. He's still a victim. I mean, he's healed, but he's still a victim. Uh, why are you carrying your mat? Well, the man, the man, who, the man told me to do it. That man, I, what man? I, who, I don't know, he disappeared. It's not me. I mean, it's not me. Guess what? If Jesus told you to pick up your mat and walk, he didn't pick it up and walk for you. You chose. So it wasn't Jesus. It was you. You did it. And here's the thing. You're free. Who cares what they think? You're free. I mean, what in the world is, because he's not free. He thought he needed a healing. But Jesus understood he needed something deeper but he's not gonna hear what I have to say until he's healed. So he heals him, he bypasses the wrong answer, he tells him what to do, and then later he finds him. Okay, you're not gonna have to stumble in the dark. Jesus, is, he wants to be found, okay? He will find you. You may not like the answer when he comes or the package he presents it to you in, but it's Jesus, okay? He comes and he tells him to stop sinning. Now don't get hung up on the word sinning. The word sinning just means to stop engaging in what is wrong. Okay, you know the right thing to do, but you don't do it. If you don't change your mindset, if you don't change your outlook, if you don't get out of this pattern, something worse may happen to you. You're gonna get reattached to bondage, but it's gonna look different. It doesn't mean he's gonna get sick again. He's already in bondage. And if he doesn't break out of that and have a change, something worse is about to happen to this guy. And Jesus loves him enough to say, you know what, I, I dealt with it when you gave me the wrong answer, but here's, here's the thing. He's gonna discipline those he loves. He's gonna come to you and make you uncomfortable. And if Jesus is never making you uncomfortable, I question whether you really know him. Amen, that is good. Because... Jesus wants to make us uncomfortable because if we're not uncomfortable, we don't come out of our junk. And so he brings us out of our junk. <clears throat> we think, if I could just get that healing, everything would change. And we put everything in our outward circumstances. But here's the thing, our outward circumstances do not control our destiny. Our responses control our destiny. Our character controls our destiny. Our choices control our destiny. And so this guy thinks, if I could just get my healing, I'd be okay. And Jesus clearly comes and tells him, the healing wasn't your issue. And don't, don't be hard on this guy, because we do it too. We think, you know, if I could just change jobs, if I could just get a different job, or no job, 
then I'd be better. And you know what we do? We go from job to 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 job. And we find at each of those jobs, everyone has character flaws. It wasn't the job, was it? It was me. And we short circuit what God wants to do in our lives. We do it with marriage. If I could just have a different spouse. If that were the case, then people who have divorced once would not be more likely to divorce a second time. Because we don't want to deal with our stuff. And I'm not saying that the spouse you had or the job you had, I'm not saying that things weren't done badly to you. But here's the thing. If you focus on the outside and not the inside, you're not going to change. And you'll just go from job to place to city to church and history will just keep repeating itself. Pastors do it all the time. You know, we stay at a church for a few years and man, those people... You know, I'm not doubting that you all have flaws. But guess what? So do I. And if you go to another church hoping that that pastor's not going to have flaws, just pick one that has flaws you can live with because they're all going to have them. And if you think, I mean, and the thing is, is when you, just like when you get married, you think, you know, every, hey, everything's good. And then six months in or two years in, you're like, oh, I see the warts. Okay, if you're new here, talk to my wife and she'll, give you, she'll show, tell you all the warts right up front. And she stays with me. I mean, at least y'all don't have to live with me. Pray for my children. Pray for my wife. They gotta live with me. So we gotta change our mind. And here's what we have to change our mind toward. I, we're, we're, we're getting ready to land. We have to change our mind towards sin. You have to understand that sin is deceptive, it is vicious, and it is destructive, and it doesn't always look like sin. Adam and Eve took the fruit and ate it because it looked good. The enemy is not going to bring something to your door that looks evil that you will automatically turn away from. He's gonna present you a fruit that looks good. The the story of Cain and Abel, and I wish I had time to unpack this more, but we don't. Um, Abel brought a gift, the best portion of his firstborn animals. He wanted a blood sacrifice, God did, and the Lord accepted it. But he did not accept Cain because Cain brought produce. He brought what he produced. Abel just brought a blood sacrifice. God from the beginning is showing, and then Cain gets upset. Why? Why? And God says to him, why are you angry? If you... Why do you look so dejected? Will you not be accepted if you do what's right? But if you refuse to do what is right, watch out because sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. And that passage goes on to describe Cain killing his brother Abel. And the word kill, he slayed his brother, is the same word used for blood sacrifice. It's almost like Cain says, okay, you want to sacrifice? And he slays his brother. It's a religious thing. If you don't think sin is crouching at your door, you are fooling yourself. And it desires to master you. You cannot let it in and think you're just going to keep it in a corner. It's destructive. It wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And so we have got to change our mind about sin. In the New Testament, it says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will harvest what you plant. If you live to satisfy the sinful nature, you will from the, har- from the sinful nature harvest decay and death. If you let it in, 
you will harvest decay and death. You will not harvest life. So you've got to change your mind. You've got to say, you know what? I cannot open the door to sin. You've got to change your mind. The enemy's relentless. Number two, we have to change our mind about our circumstances. We are not victims to chance or circumstance or any other human. Roman chapter eight clearly says, God is in charge of my life and he is the filter of my life and nothing comes across my path that he has not equipped me, prepared me for, and made me ready to conquer. Now, I wish I could tell you that I do conquer in all things. I don't. Sometimes circumstances get the best of me, but I, 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 I tell you, we can't live there. You gotta look back to Genesis again at the life of Joseph. Joseph says to his brothers that sold him into slavery, don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me into this place. I took care of it for you, I'm angry enough for all of us. No, that's not what he says. He says, don't be upset with you. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. Dude, that just changes everything, doesn't it? Doesn't this story just mess you up? I mean, his brothers hated him, sold him into slavery. Then he gets caught by Potiphar's wife and he's trying to be holy and righteous and do the right thing and he gets thrown into prison. But then he stands up for himself and he says, you know, if I could just tell this guy, hey, could you remember me, Butler, when you get restored? And God says, okay, you wanna try to solve it on your own? You just stay here a few more years. Because the Bible says the Butler forgot him. I just think it was God saying, you know what, Joseph, stop it. You gotta trust me. You gotta trust my timing. You're not a victim to circumstance. It's not, you're not dependent on the butler to get you out of here. I'll get you out of here. And in one day, one day, God takes Joseph's life and he takes him from the dungeon where everything is dark. There's no like, you know, you don't see the sun rising. It's just dark. And the next day, boom, second in command in Egypt. And thank God he stayed in prison long enough or Potiphar's wife and all of his brothers, the 12 tribes of Israel, would have all been dead. But God had to get Joseph to a place where he was no longer a victim of his circumstance. Look at Romans chapter eight. We know God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. It doesn't say that everything will be rosy and cheery and nothing will be difficult. God knew his people in advance. He chose them to become like his son. And sometimes to become like his son, you and I have to go through hardship, okay? that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, that's us. Having chosen them, he called them to come to him. Having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Hallelujah, he gave us his glory. But I didn't show you verse 17. So we're gonna have to go back up to verse 17. I tagged it on the end. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. See, he said that before all this. I just kind of, some of you were like, you knew it already. Mark knows this chapter by heart. He knew it. See, God gives us his, his, his goal is to make us like his son. And the way that we're made like his son is through hardship. And that's what's inside. That's what starts coming out. Okay? We cannot be victims to our circumstance. And the last one, we have to change our mind about our selves you might be in a bondage by the result of your own choice or by like today the light
You're like, well, someone else actually was the reason I, this bondage was at my door, but I, I picked it up. And, and so you may be like just hard on yourself, but here's what the Bible says. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Galatians 3 says, you are children of God because you obey Jesus. No, it doesn't. It says through faith in Jesus. So your position, you have to see your position. Even while you're, you're trying to obey Jesus and even while you're working all of this out, you have to see your position as child of God. You have to. Because if you don't, you're in trouble. And you can't keep putting yourself down. Well, I just can't ever do anything right. Ooh. When I, something lights up inside of me when people say things like that because I'm just like, what are you talking about? Of course, none of us can do anything right, but that's not who you are now. What do you mean you can't do anything right? You've been given the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. You now have the potential to do everything right. And if you keep putting yourself down, no, Try to better yourself. I get it. You got a temper that's out of control. You want to better it. You, you got a problem or a, something with your life you want to better. I mean, you don't like the balding effect. I mean, I looked in the mirror today and like, dear Lord, I'm losing all of my hair. But if you, and you don't like it, do something about it. Shave it off. Get some plugs. I don't care. But if you're not going to do something about it, stop complaining about it. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, just you don't understand. God doesn't look at you and be like, oh, man, you're balding. He doesn't say that. He looks at you and says, I love you. You are mine. And when you put yourself down, you know what God says? Stop it. I love you. You got to change your mindset about yourself. Ephesians chapter 5. Imitate God in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice, a pleasing aroma to God. Meaning, and then he goes on and says, stop lying, stop being sexually immoral, stop sinning, stop, 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 stop. But here's why, because you're his child. That's why we stop sinning, because we want to imitate our father. I don't do it so he makes me his child, I do it because he's made me his child. And because I understand sin wants way more than I'm willing to give it. And so I want to imitate my father who has just nothing but good stuff for me. The enemy has destruction. So if we get the mind right, everything else is gonna follow. So the question again, do you wanna be free? All you gotta do is respond to Jesus. He is posing the question to you right now, do you wanna be free? And now I know that we're gonna continue through the book and here's the thing, Jesus could set you free so that for the rest of the book, all you have to do is say amen and just be reminded. Okay, you don't have to, oh man, I'm, I'm in bondage to this and that's not till like January 30th. You don't have to live in bondage <laughs> till January 30th. I mean, you don't even have to give the right answer today. He's gonna come to you right where you are and just say, hey, do you wanna be free? And you don't have to try to figure it out. You don't have to try to solve it. You don't have to try to make all the steps and you know, here's what, here's what I'm gonna do. You just have to respond to Jesus and say, I wanna be free. And then start doing whatever he tells you. Obey him. Put into practice. The funny thing is, is he's probably already told you what you need to do, but you just haven't done it yet. And so as you come forward today and as you start praying, he's gonna be like, hey, I already told you what you need to do. And it's gonna come back to your mind and you're gonna be like, oh. And it's okay. He's not doing it to be mean. He's just saying, hey, this is the path of freedom. You gotta do what I say. 
And then we've gotta start changing our mind, changing it about sin, changing it about our circumstances, and changing it about ourselves. Because if you're here today and you're in bondage to pornography because you were molested as a child, or you're in bondage to pornography because someone exposed you to it by no fault of your own, okay, I get it, you're in bondage because somebody did something, but you don't have to remain there. You can be free. You don't have to be in bondage to bitterness because of what somebody did to you. You can be free. But when Jesus comes today and he's here, he's already saying, and you're saying, well, Jesus, you know why I'm in this mess. He's like, I don't, stop it. Just say yes, I wanna be free. I wanna be free. And tomorrow, if I don't feel free, I love the word he gave today. You just need to say I'm free. Get out of here, condemnation. Get out of here, self-loathing. Get out of here, bitterness and hatred. Get out. Because you want more than I'm willing to give you. And I'm taking it back. I'm taking my life back. I'm taking my family back. I'm taking my church back. I'm taking this city back. How many of you know there's people in this city that need to be free? And if you and I are in bondage, who's gonna help set them free? It's time to be free truly free in 2017 because Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to destroy the works of the enemy and he put his spirit in us to get out there and do it. Amen. Let's stand together. If you wanna go ahead, we're just gonna put some music on in the background and I'm gonna have the prayer team come and I want them to be here in the front and this is how we're gonna close. In just a moment, I'm gonna close in prayer and I'm gonna dismiss you if you need to go. But if you're here right now and you want to be free, could I say just respond to Jesus? Don't leave here thinking that, you know, just sitting in, in, just standing there in this one moment, you can say, yeah, I want to be free. I want you to respond to Jesus. I want you to get out from where you are and say, Jesus, I am coming to you. And if you want prayer, if you want someone to agree with you, find one of the members of the prayer team. If you want to come and kneel, nothing special about this place, but we need to today say, I am responding to Jesus. I'm taking this step. I'm drawing a line in the sand. There's no more. If there's something in your life, when we talk about obeying Jesus, if you are living in rebellion to God, something God has said to you to do, you gotta stop. You gotta confess it today. You gotta come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I I know you said this. I know I'm disobeying your word. I need grace now to change. I need to change. I wanna change. Give me grace to change. You need to admit it. You can't deflect today. This can't be someone else today. I know I have a lot of flaws, but it can't be me today. It can't be something I said, something I did. It can't be the the wording of the sermon wasn't just right. The temperature of the room wasn't just right. The songs we sang weren't just right. Stop deflecting. Do you want to be free in 2017? The call is here. It's been here through the whole service. You want to be free, you want to be healed, you want to be delivered, you want to be set free, whatever you need. He's the healer, he's the deliverer. Respond. You didn't come forward earlier when it was time to come for prayer. If you're sick today, why not? If you're in any type of pain, why not? Why not? He's here. And all he's saying is, I just want to be invited. Just invite me. 
Invite me to heal you. Invite me to restore you. Invite me to touch you. Invite me. Don't worry about whether your invitation is even right. I'm, gonna, I'm coming. Just respond. Don't downplay this moment. Prayer team, if you could come and just be here in the front to meet them when they come. I'm gonna step down as soon as I pray and I'm gonna be here. And if you want prayer for anything, I want you to come. If you're here and, and you know you wanna be free and you need to respond, just step out. Just step out. Don't wait for me to stop. Just come. Just say, hey, Jesus, I need to be free. I wanna be free. A few months ago, two months ago, we were in Rapid City for a pastor's network, Pastor John and I. And as uh, Brian Jarrett was given the message, the whole time he was talking, I'm just like, just shut up and ask us to repent or pray. Or, I mean, the whole time I'm just like, I just wanna repent. And then he stopped and he's like, does anyone wanna repent? And before I could open my mouth, someone else repented. And then someone else repented. And I'm like, when's it gonna be my turn? And then it went on and on and on. And then by the time it got quiet enough for me to repent, I was like, well, maybe I don't need to repent. <laughs> Guess what? I said, oh no, I need to repent. And so I spoke up and I laid that thing out there in that room in a safe place where I knew I could just say, hey, here's what's going on inside of me. But I wanna be free from that. I wanna be free from being controlled by the opinions of others. I wanna be free from being controlled by my own need to be right and do everything perfectly. I need to be free. I just need to be free. Free from condemnation, free from guilt, free from the pressure. Because you can't put any pressure on me if I don't let you. So I could blame you. <laughs> or I could just get free and I chose free and I hope you will choose freedom today. If you haven't come as we pray, I want you to come. Father, give courage today to those that need to respond to you. Holy Spirit, I ask that now you would draw to this, this altar, every man, every woman, every teenager, every child that needs to be free. There is no condemnation. There's no guilt. God, we're not gonna look down on any person that comes because all of us have something we need to be free from. All of us have something that we try to hide from others so no one can see the real us. But God, today give them courage to walk free. Give them grace to obey you. Give us grace to change our minds to see ourselves as you see us, to not be victims of our circumstance and to see sin for what it is and to close that door. And so Holy Spirit, I pray your protection over every heart that's in this room to receive the word today that the enemy's not able to snatch it. I pray your protection over that seed and that's that you would cause it to germinate in good soil and produce 30 and 60 and 100 times that which was sown today. And so Lord, now I ask that you'd bless them and that you would keep them, that you would cause your face to shine on them and that you would be gracious to them and give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. If you need prayer, we are here. If you need to be dismissed, please do it quietly. Let this be a place of prayer for those that want to pray. God bless you as you go.